You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Today's guest is Peter Yang. Peter is the co-founder at Oversubscribe, which is a mission-driven company that exists to help creators reach their full potential on their Kickstarter-like platform and through connecting you with a network of experienced creator mentors. Peter is based out of New York, and I've had a ton of fun connecting with him. It actually turns out we have a lot of mutual connections, but I got a ton of value from this conversation as a creator, so I know you will too. Now on to the episode. Hey, Peter, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, Khalil, uh, delighted to be here. Uh, it's good to be on. Thank you for asking us to join you here. Absolutely. Peter and I met in a really funny way. I know we had mentioned uh, that I was mentioning a business insider last week, and you're a different Peter Yang. <laughs> but what was hilarious about that was we actually have a common friend in Brian Mock, who I worked with at Topbox for those listeners that's been with us since episode one. You know that uh, I sold Topbox uh, in 2021, and Brian was one of my favorite clients. And it turns out that Peter's actually, that's your, so that's your best friend. Like what a small that's world. Right. Yeah. I was in Brian's <laughs> wedding late last year, actually. And then just went out to his place out in Connecticut just a little while ago. And I did check in for listeners out there. I did check in with Brian about Khalil. Only good things to say. So it's not just a facade here. Uh, Khalil had Love the good tier. Yeah. So if any of you are doubting me, there it is. Boom. <laughs> Love that. Before we get into oversubscribe, which I think is a genius idea, especially in the creator economy, I want to start Give us a little background about you know who you are, where you live, and then we'll jump into my first question, which is what is your what was your earliest business idea? So all that in one. That's a fun one. Sure. Uh, so I'm Peter Yang. As we were saying, I'm one of the two co-founders and the CEO of Oversubscribe. We're based here out of New York, so we have a small office right in Midtown for any of your New York-based listeners. Love to meet up with folks right in Bryant Park, which is near our office. We've been at this for a few years, and as we were saying, we uh, are looking to help creators reach their full potential, regardless of where they're starting out from through investment funding from their own fans uh, and uh, mentorship from this network of creator mentors that we set up. Prior to that, though, uh, I spent most of my career out in the Bay Area of California uh, in the heart of Silicon Valley. A lot of my career, you can say broadly, was in uh, the world of tech uh, finance. So kind of the world of finance within the world of tech started out at places like Goldman Sachs and Citigroup uh, in a field called equity research or stock research. If you ever watched uh, CNBC and saw Jim Cramer saying, uh, you know, the uh, Morgan Stanley analyst upgraded Google to a buy from a hold. That was my boss and I was the junior guy on his team. Then spent a little time in the world of venture capital, uh, investing in startups at a firm called Emergence Capital, which was a new firm when I joined. Now it's one of the more successful firms out there. So they managed to succeed without me, uh, but invested in companies like Salesforce.com, <laughs> 
job in Zoom well before the pandemic, um, in Box, uh, the storage provider, and then another company called Viva Systems, which fewer people know about, but is one of their biggest successes. So I uh, did all that and did some other roles in uh, similar spaces out there in the Bay Area, but came out here to start this with my co-founder, who actually went to college together as undergrads. So he comes from more from the Wall Street side of things, but uh, we were young, skinny undergrads uh, at MIT many, many years ago and have known each other for more than 20 years. That's amazing. And I appreciate that background. And it's always great when you can go into business with a friend or someone that you've known in the past. And that obviously speaks a lot to your ability to build relationships. So where did the idea of oversubscribe come from? I know a lot of my ideas are sketched on backs of napkins and long-winded dinner rants sometimes. How did your idea start? Sure. So I think, as I told you, Khalil, when we were doing kind of our pre-conversation a couple of days back, you know, oversubscribe, even before we talk about the product, uh, we are very much a mission-driven company. So beyond just the product we're making or the customers we're trying to serve, we have a broader purpose here as a company. And if we were to state that simply, our mission as oversubscribe is to help every person we work with uh, reach their full potential, regardless of their socioeconomic situation, regardless of where they start from. So that's very much the case in terms of what we're doing with the platform we've built and the creators and uh, we're trying to help. But that also uh, speaks to the folks on our team and the ways we try to help them and invest in them as a company or folks we partner with or even uh, folks who invest in our own company. We want to help them all kind of reach the full potential that they've been created to live out here. But obviously that only works if you have a product that works and that really helps people. The problem we were trying to solve and kind of how we got to the idea is, you know, we looked out much more broadly at the world. And what we saw is that there's a number of careers where you basically act like a one-person company. And in many of the problems that businesses run into, you also run into in those types of careers, particularly around funding early on in your career. So when we looked out in the world, we saw a lot of uh, career paths, particularly within areas like entertainment or sports, where uh, not only uh, are you kind of working as a one-person business where you're driving your own revenue, you're not paid a salary, you kind of eat what you kill in the corporate terminology where the money you make is from your own efforts, and you also have to pay for all your own expenses. And then another thing we saw that paralleled the world my co-founder and I knew was often early on in your career in these fields, you actually lose money. You actually burn cash rather than making a profit as an individual. And then the question was, where does that money come from? So you saw this a lot in more traditional sports and entertainment. So something like a musician or a band who had to tour and have money for touring before they signed a record deal. Where does that money come from? Or in sports, uh, it wouldn't be like your team sports because a basketball player or a baseball player, they're actually salaried employees because uh, their team is their employer and they get paid Sometimes a very large salary, but it still comes to them every two weeks. But when you look more at the individual sports, things like golf or tennis or MMA, uh, in these cases, there's nobody paying you a salary. There's no team that employs you. You're basically a one-person business that's making the money that you can from all your own efforts, and you also pay for your own costs. So we actually started off in those worlds because we saw a very strong need there. We actually started off helping uh, early career athletes raise funding to pay for all their expenses, which might be things like travel or their coaches or even their own living expenses until they were making enough money from their career to succeed in that career. And the problems we saw there, that really kind of paralleled what I'd seen in my own career with uh, an area you and I know well, Khalil, it's uh, tech startups where most of them burn cash for a while. Some of them are able to get past that stage. Not all of them end up being uh, kind of the Googles and the Instagrams of the world, but there's some of them that 
do okay, and then there's some of them that become those huge grand slams. In these fields, you see the same thing. So not everyone becomes Tiger Woods or Serena Williams, but there's some people who were able to make a good living doing these things, but the vast majority might not make it. So it was the same problems and the same parallels we saw with startups. So we thought we could bring some of the tools that help folks in those businesses, and we can bring those to individuals in these careers. And the other problem we were solving with that is as we spoke to people about some of these careers, we saw that the playing field wasn't always equal, uh, just as we see in many areas in life. Uh, so, for example, we uh, did a lot of early work in golf. And when you first start out in the, as a pro golfer, you start out below the PGA level. There's a bunch of minor leagues there. And those folks, they might lose money every year, anywhere from 20 to 50K. They might be in the hole uh, between the money they make and the money they have to spend on things like travel and coaching and their own life expenses. When we asked people where that money comes from, on the men's side of golf, 70% said mom and dad pay all those bills. And then on the women's side, it was even rougher. Wow. It was 90% mom and dad pay all the bills. So these aren't amateurs. 90%? Wow. 90%, yeah. So, I mean, this is professionals who are trying to make a living doing this. And, you know, all the way through college, there's ways where, you know, they can get support through grants and scholarships and things like that. But as soon as they're ready to make a living doing what they're so good at, if you don't happen to be born into one of those families, it might be tough to do it. So that's a story we see in many places. And when we took a step back, we saw that was pretty much a pure inequality issue uh, when you stared at that. So we thought, with the tools we have, can we level the playing field that people who have the potential uh, to go all the way or might be born and have worked to have the potential to be a very successful golfer, if they don't happen to be born in a family that can support them in this way, can we provide another way for that? So we started there, uh, but then we found another market where it's an even, even better fit for this, and that was really with creators. Many of the same problems and many of the same benefits in that career where when you start out, you might not make money and there's costs that go into it. But also as you grow, you might need uh, funding to uh, invest in your growth, both in terms of hiring other folks, but also in doing new types of content. So we thought, oh, uh, this is an even better fit because the way we built our platform is it's not just where the ones investing is oversubscribed. Instead, the way we built the platform is we help fans to invest in their favorite creator on our Kickstarter-like platform. So in that case, it would be all different kinds of people can invest in the future earnings of their favorite creator on our platform. Uh, and the great thing here is, uh, you know, with a the golfer, they might not have a lot of people who want to invest in them. It might be their friends and family, or it might be fans of golf or fantasy sports folks. Uh, but with the creator, they've put all their work into building their YouTube subscribers, their Instagram following, or their TikTok following. Uh, these are people who already invest in them emotionally with their time, they're going to be more likely to want to invest in them financially uh, to help them succeed. So that probably went a little longer than we we're hoping here, but uh, that's really the journey of how we got here. But it's always been the same mission and the same goal is to really level the playing field for different individuals who have chosen to take on these riskier career paths or uh, build these one-person businesses. Can we help level the playing field there? Uh, because, you know, one additional factor I will mention, I think I mentioned this to you, Khalil, uh, we have an advisor, his name is Tim Shea. He was early on at YouTube, who kind of, he built the early creator program for YouTube. So that first generation of the famous professionalized creators that we all know and love, he really kind of nurtured them and gave them the tools they needed to succeed. And what Tim told us is that early on, sometimes when we see these platforms pop up out of nowhere, so recently, mostly recently with TikTok, we'll see all types of creators succeed and do well there. 
because, you know, nobody knows kind of the paths to success yet. So all types of folks can experiment and do well. But as those paths to success become more ingrained, uh, we start to see the same kinds of folks who have advantages in other areas have advantages in the content arena as well. So we thought that'd be a shame if that was the case. So we would definitely want to level the playing field here as well and not just see uh, the same folks who succeed everywhere else have the easier path to success here. No, this is great. And you're, you're talking right at your target audience and myself. Being someone who had scaled startups, who had been an employee, who had been in these rooms uh, where people were raising a lot of capital and selling these companies for you know six, seven, eight, nine figures, that's daunting when you take a step back and it's just you in the arena and you are responsible for your success. Me personally, I felt ready for that challenge. I was a D1 track athlete. It was the same mentality since I can remember was it's just you and your work you put in may not necessarily directly correlate to the result you get, but it'll be pretty damn close. And it comes down to two things that you mentioned, capital and your ability to seek and hear, not only hear guidance, but act on the guidance. And so in this creator economy, uh, you know, last week I was named a top 23, named to follow by Business Insider. And that was something that I spoke about was one capital. I started this with $80. I remember it was the subscriptions to host Riverside and to purchase uh, video editing software. It wasn't anything crazy, but I got started. I um, was able to scale that. But I remember feeling a lot of guilt in the first couple months when my expenses far out succeeded my, what I was actually bringing in, my revenue. And I remember really questioning my whole idea and wanting to help people get unstuck. I'm like, is this feasible? Is this too broad? And I remember just really doubting myself. And that is where that guidance, that mentorship that you offer, and we'll get in more to that, was really, really helpful where I was able to surround myself with creators and say, hey, you know, actually you're moving at a faster clip than I was even moving at or focus on X, Y, and Z. And so to your point, I would even say mentorship is even more important than capital because it's one thing to receive the capital. It's another thing to realize what you need to do with that capital. And in the creator economy, I think, There's a huge misconception where you make 20, 50 videos, they go viral, and all of a sudden you have a business. There's a lot of systems like email funnels, website legion, user experience. You have to think about growth, partnerships, right? And I mentioned in this video, I was playing about 19 different roles. I've gotten it down to about 13, 12 to 13 with some help now with some extra capital. But you're striking a chord here when you talk about this concept of Kickstarter for creators, but also giving them the ability to have mentorship. Can you talk to us a little bit about that system? Because in my brain, it goes, okay, you know, I get, you know, 100 people to invest in me, I have to pay those people back at some point, we can get a little bit into those details. But I just want to hear about that a little bit more in terms of that process of I'm a fan, and I want to invest, what does that journey look like? We'll start there. For sure. I mean, uh, so one thing to know is in building this product, uh, my co-founder and I didn't just sit down and talk to each other and say, okay, here's what we think folks out there need, and then just build that and throw it out into the market. Uh, We actually spoke with more than 100 creators and creator economy folks like Khalil here uh, to get their view on what was really needed for creators here. And, you know, uh, the needs of a tennis player, a golfer, or a boxer are going to be different from the needs of an online content creator. So we wanted to make sure we're building the right solution that really meets the real needs of creators. What we found there is exactly like Lil was saying, it's uh, two things. One, in many cases, they need uh, the capital to grow. So, it's, you know, it's not necessarily the person who's just starting out. The, really where the capital might come to play is really when you start to see real growth. So you might be at about 10,000 subscribers or so on YouTube, for example. You're making some money, but you start to see, you know, you're 
growth accelerates here. And like you were saying, you know, we kind of broke it down. It was about 19 or 20 roles that a YouTuber plays themselves. It might be uh, the script writer and the on-screen talent and the editor, uh, everything else to like a graphic designer who's doing the thumbnail and all the graphics to running a Shopify store, to negotiating with brands, to reviewing legal agreements with brands. So you wear all these hats and everyone thinks it's just par for the course for one person to do this. They're a creator, but it's hard to do. Uh, So we only see the successful ones. It's kind of like a survivor bias in terms of who we see doing it. It's the people who can even do that to start off, who get to the visibility we can see. But then when you start to grow, there's more demands on your time. You know, you have to post more frequently. Your videos are, you know, have to up themselves in quality there. Uh, You have more demands from brands and you're talking to more folks. So whereas before you could do those 19 roles yourself, you might need to get some outside help, for example, or you might see new kinds of content where you know your audience would love it or a product you can put out that your audience would just eat up, but you don't have the money for it right now. So you could either, just like a startup, you can save up the money, you could bootstrap it from the money you make, but you might miss your opportunity because that might take too long. Or you can look to sources of outside funding uh, and then strike while the iron's hot and really take advantage of that opportunity you see sitting there in front of you. So, you know, we saw that the current kind of systems for funding creators were suboptimal. You can't get a loan at Chase if you walk in. Uh, You know, the Patreons and the Kickstarters of the world and the tip-based stuff. You know, speaking with 100 plus creators, Everybody's a little uncomfortable with that system for everything we can tell, and both the creators and the fans. Creators were always a little squeamish in terms of really, really pushing that hard because they knew the flow of money was one way. And the fans, similarly, they'd seen cases where the creator had succeeded, and all they ended up was with this uh, premium video, right? It wasn't the creators making millions of dollars. So uh, we thought there might be a better way to balance that equation. So on our platform, the creators uh, can actually raise funding from the people who already invest in them most, but also uh, return financial financial returns to those people who care about them most as well, and that's their own fans. So to your question, what that is called and what that looks like is something called a creator public offering on our platform. If you came in as a creator or fan, it would look very similar to like Kickstarter or GoFundMe, with a difference being uh, if the creator makes money, starts to make money, a percentage of the revenue uh, of the money that creator makes will be returned back to the fans for a certain amount of time. So that might be 10% uh, the money the creator makes of their creator revenue for five years or 3% for seven years. Or the and unique to our platform, just like with the Patreon, the creator controls what they share with their fans. Because we know on our platform, uh, the fans who invest aren't primarily doing it to make money off the back of their favorite creator. They want to support their favorite creator uh, in doing the things they're hoping to do with the content and that they can enjoy and benefit from as well. So that new content or hiring an editor to put more stuff on TikTok that they can enjoy or whatever it might be, they want to support their favorite creator who they're already emotionally invested in. But different from any other platform out there, if the creator does succeed and is wildly successful, they don't feel like they're left holding the bag here and just put money in without getting any out. They can share on that return as well. So that's our creator public offering. That's the foundation of the system. But clearly, like you were saying, as we spoke with those 100 plus creators, so many of them said, it's fantastic you can help me raise this money. But I could also use help. And if you're saying you can help me reach the next level, uh, I could see what my favorite creators do at the next level just on the surface. So I have 10,000 subscribers. I could see the person with 100,000 or a million subscribers. I could see what they're doing from the outside. But I don't know what steps they're taking behind the scenes to get there. And, you know, the only way to get that right now is a little gate kept right now. There's gatekeepers who are charging for creator courses and things like that. It's not widely available out there. So we said, okay, that's something we can help with. So we started to build up a pretty broad network in the creator economy. And we are able to bring on top tier 
uh, what we're calling creator mentors, who can really help our creators change the trajectory of their careers and hopefully change the trajectory of their lives. So we have folks like Production Studio, who does all of Netflix's YouTube content. They're helping our creators do their content on YouTube and giving them tips and tricks. We have a brand deal advisor who we don't go and find the brand deals for them. We're not an agent or a manager, but our, our brand deal advisor work with both small creators, micro-influencers, as small as 10,000 followers, but also the macro of the macro-influencers, folks like Charlie D'Amelio and Bella Porch, you know, two of the top three creators out there. We also have very successful creators. We have some early YouTube employees who are helping our creators to succeed uh, and really giving them the tools and the foundation they need to succeed. Because just like you were saying, Cleo, sometimes that's even more important than money. We think they work really well together hand-in-hand in our system. And another way to think about this is almost like an accelerator for startups that we see out there, these incubators and accelerators. Yeah, the capital doesn't come from us as oversubscribed. The capital comes from the people who want to support the creator the most. And then we provide that mentorship and that guidance that really helps them succeed as well. We don't want to just be known for helping people raise money and making our money and walking away. We want to be known for helping creators change their careers and change their lives. Uh, And that's the reason we've built out this whole ecosystem uh, that we've built out here. No, this is great. And I double down on that statement of, you know, the direction is so important. I field a lot of phone calls with Gen Zers, new folks in the space wondering, you know, how did you make this go? And I'm someone who makes anywhere from 30 to 50,000 a year on this, which I still think is at the very, very beginnings of where I want to go. Um, And that speaks directly back to this being a full-blown business. This is full-blown entrepreneurship, being a creator. And that's where I'm bringing a voice to really understand what that means. You mentioned YouTube production, right? Everything from shooting the video to SEO, to making sure you have an optimal thumbnail, to making sure your description ranks, to making sure you're using micro hashtags from brand deal side, right? How do you approach a brand? It's not just, you know, hey, in the DMs, I'd love for you to send me money. It's, hey, I actually made this piece of content, tested it. It got this amount of views, this amount of comments. I'd wonder if we teamed up how big of a scale we could reach, right? It's putting it back into their hands. So really understanding that world. And I think that's super important. And I think you nailed it with it being an accelerator, which is how and what made me excited. And you also mentioned smaller creators. I would put myself in a, in a smaller creator bucket, you know, we oftentimes get left out of the conversation, but drive the most dollars when it comes to virality with these brands because we don't have that. An algorithm hasn't pegged us to be in this niche. So talk about different ways you will help creators thrive that we maybe haven't spoken about and specifically smaller creators, because I think that's going to be the majority of who comes to the table with oversubscribe are really small creators who honestly have no idea what they're doing, but know that they have a unique message and they want to jump into that conversation. How are you going to help them? Sure. I mean, we have products that can work with all types of creators. So we can work with the the biggest of the big. It's a very different product. We probably won't get into that too much right now today because we want to speak to the audience here who are kind of emerging right now and we want to help them on their way up. So we'll focus uh, not on our CPO Platinum product for established creators. We'll focus more on our CPO Accelerate product for emerging creators. That's really Accelerator type product that we were talking about here. So in terms of uh, some use cases we've heard, you know, generally we don't focus on the person who's just starting out or pure amateur. We generally try to find somebody, maybe a little before where you're at, Cleo, where they're making some money, maybe a couple thousand bucks a month or a thousand dollars a month. So they know what they're doing. They're making some money maybe from YouTube, from the ads there, plus working with some brands. But what we we see in a lot of cases is these folks might be working a job plus doing this on the side. Because, you know, by far the most common story we heard from the creators we're talking with right now is 
I actually just started this during COVID because I was home and uh, I just was finding something to do. And then in certain percentages of those cases, uh, they start to see real growth, whether that's from a viral video that they uh, struck a chord with or just because their content's so good that people slowly gravitate to them over time and they've built up a significant audience. But what these folks start to find is they start to plateau because, like we were saying, um, as the demands on them start to grow, uh, to really get to that next level, they really find that they need to put more of themselves into the content. Content, whether that's posting more frequently to make sure they can capitalize on that engagement and continue to grow their numbers. or But what they start to find is they just start to run out of time. There's only so many hours in a day. Uh, and I think a big thing people don't realize about YouTube is uh, a lot of these things that seem so simple are really, really time-consuming. So, for example, one of the biggest use cases we found is editing uh, probably a 15 to 20-minute YouTube video takes about 15 to 20 hours a week. So yeah, most people just think, you know, because they use these tools for like shorts where there's templates, that it's a very straightforward process. But most of the YouTube videos you see, they have to do that editing by hand. And it's a very detailed process if you've ever seen how it works. So, you know, these folks are, you know, outside of work, they're just spending all our time editing. And then on the weekends, they're shooting their new video and then they're spending all week editing again. That's pretty much their lives. So we want to uh, help people get past that plateau. Part of uh, the problem there is also that, you know, you've heard the stats about creator burnout. You know, and the one we looked at is 60% of all creators say they've felt creator burnout at some point in their career where they had to stop making content for a little while because it was just too much for them. And usually that's not the full-time creators. In many, many cases, that's the folks who are living this life I just described. So the way we can help them is uh, most likely, uh, if it's, for example, the hired editor, we can help them raise maybe to hire an editor for three, six, nine months to take that 15 to 20 hours a week and free that up for the creator. A part of that could be just to live a little more sane life, uh, but also they can then take that time (laughs) invested in uh, uh, maybe posting a a little more frequently uh, because, you know, that's one of the easiest levers to pull if you want to, you know, increase your subscriber base and increase your engagement or might be reaching out to brands more. A lot of folks we talk to, you know, any brand deals they get, it's just the incoming folks because they don't have time even to do anything beyond that. But if you had a little extra time, it might be able to reach out to brands and brands that you know will fit well with your audience and maybe get a higher rate on your brand deals. Or uh, you might be able to do that course for your type of content, you know, that subscription course that you need to find the time to shoot it. But once you record it, it's there and it can uh, make money for you, but you've never been able to carve out that time. So the idea here is can we free up that time? And, you know, a different way to do that might be to raise some money and then be able to maybe dial back to part-time at your full-time job and then devote those hours then that you free up uh, and being able to support yourself and the money you raised than to pushing the gas on your content and seeing if you can get the break even and making uh, money from your content so you can support yourself. So there's a lot of different use cases. We've heard talk to other folks who want to start investing in merch for their people, but that requires obviously a payment up front. So this is a way for them to do that or maybe a product that's not really merch, but like a standalone product or again, uh, new types of content. Maybe you're a, a food blogger and a food vlogger, sorry. And you know, people would love travel content because you focus on different types of ethnic food, but that takes some money as well. So, but you know, your audience will love it if you could do it. So you could raise some money to do that. And the money you make back in terms of the increased numbers on your videos would more than make up for that. So, you know, it's all different kinds of use cases. I think the biggest obstacle here is creators just haven't thought in this way. They haven't thought like businesses. They thought like individuals where, you know, I have to save up and do it versus businesses who know if there's an opportunity, you can get funding for that. And actually everybody wins in that, in that case. So we want to help creators to have that kind of mindset and to move in that direction. You know, the big buzz word out there, the big catchphrase out there the last few years are creators are the new startups. 
And we don't think that just in terms of, oh, because it's an exciting area, because there's new things happening. It's also creators really are startups. They're one-person startups. But if you look at Mr. Beast or, you know, the Try Guys or folks out there, they're not editing their own videos. They're not going and finding their own brand deals. They have a team who's helping them. So once you get to a certain point, you need to think bigger as a creator. And that starts earlier than most people think. And we want to help people to have the funding they need, but also the know-how they need to get to that place. I was smiling when you mentioned the start of this. I was literally, I did a news segment on Friday for our local news here about how I was literally that person scrolling on the couch in 2020 with this idea, didn't know what I was doing, created a viral video, then created this podcast. And this is just catapulted into a million different ideas and and also just into a, a business. I'm someone that would have hugely benefited from the ability to not only, like you mentioned, have that mentorship, but raise that capital. So again, huge kudos to you for building this. When you think about maybe at the start or now or, or whenever this resonates with you, what are some of the toughest challenges, maybe even as a co-founder, but even just as a business concept that you faced and, and how are you overcoming it or how did you overcome it? I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, I, uh, I thought of a couple when I was kind of thinking about this. One was just, uh, as you heard from my backgrounds, both my co-founder and myself are not kind of folks who grew up in the creator economy, both in terms of our careers even in terms of our ages. So um, I am the tail end of Gen X, actually. Um, and this is not necessarily my world. You know, everybody hears that stat of, you know, they pulled elementary school students and the number one career people were saying was YouTube creator. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, what kind of world are we living in? But the flip side of that is if you think about it, that's the world they grew up in and that's their movie star and TV star. And it makes total sense when you kind of do it that way. So, you know, because we're not necessarily native on the content side of things, we knew we needed to build out folks who could advise us, not just advise our creators. So we've put a lot of work into building out an advisory board who aren't just named on our website, but folks we actually meet with regularly. These are very successful creators, folks from the creator economy, who we're meeting with regularly to really be the voice of the creator in our internal meetings here to make sure we're building the right product for creators as we continue forward. But also, these are folks who are willing to put their name on the line uh, for our company. You know, they're saying the most important thing for a creator is their name and their brand, right? I mean, if you're an individual creator, there's nothing more valuable to you than that. And they're all saying, you know, this is something I wish I had earlier in my career. This is something now that uh, that now that you've built it, I want to make sure this is available to folks. So, for example, one of our advisors is Jake Roper. If you're familiar with the Vsauce channel, science-based channel with more than 20 million subscribers, Jake is Vsauce. Three, uh, that's his individual channel, more than 4 million subscribers. But Jake is also uh, the first YouTuber to win an Emmy. Uh, He's also um, has built a successful product business alongside his content. And he actually, it's not like merch, it's not Jake Roper t shirts with his face on it. He actually built a a monthly subscription box for science experiments for adults which really kind of tied into his content, but wasn't just about his, you know, his name and his face. Uh, he actually sold that business for over $10 million recently. So Jake has done a lot of the things that a lot of the creators we work with hope to do. And Jake, when we first met him, said, this is exactly what I could have used when I was starting out. And I know so many creators who could have used something like this. So I want to help you to succeed in this. So, uh, you know, we recognize that there. We recognize that was going to be a struggle if we just tried to figure it out. So we worked hard to build that slate of advisors and also the mentors who are helping our creators. So, yeah, I mean, I think one thing is we know what we know. We know what we don't know. Uh, we try to make sure that the areas where uh, it's not native to us, that we have the strongest team of advisors there possible to make sure we can help the folks we're trying to help in the best way possible. No, I really appreciate that answer. And it actually struck a chord with one of our core values here at Unstucked, which is 
picking three to six people that you admire, even if you don't know the space that you're wanting to go in, whether it's a career pivot, whatever that may be, we most likely see it in career pivots, but we also see it when people want to build new habits and just go ask for help, go get advice. And so I really appreciate you. Even at that level, I still do it to this day. I still have my list of people and you're one of them where I learn from it, right? Like what does this ecosystem look like? What tools are we building? So that's really, really helpful. In your business and, and in your life, because I want to talk a little bit about Peter here too, like how do you define success in your life? I want to start there and we'll catapult into a couple other definitions like consistency and discipline. These are the three words that I think either cause people to feel stuck or they just need to revisit and redefine. So how do you define success? Sure. I mean, this is your, these are big life questions and these are questions about, you know, your perspective on life and your worldview. I mean, for myself, uh, you know, I'm, I think I could start with, you know, I'm a fairly religious person. I'm a Christian who, you know, believes that I don't just do these things just for the things that I can make from them, right? So, you know, for me, success isn't just how uh, successful our company is or how much money we make. I think for me, it's really just like we're trying to help all of all the creators we work with and all the folks we partner with reach their full potential. It's, uh, you know, am I giving my all that day? Am I doing the best that I can in this time and the season of my life and this thing, you know, that I feel is what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Have I been giving that my best? And have I been doing what I think I need to be doing right now? So I think that helps in a lot of ways. I think I've had all the same struggles as everybody about productivity or, you know, I'm not getting the results I hope for. I mean, I could tell you many, many stories about all that if we had double the time we had today. So this is not just a pat answer uh, based on things, you know, I've heard in places or read about. But I've found uh, what works best, uh, I think, in the long term is knowing the reason why I do things, right? And making sure the things that I do are lined up with that reason. And doing that, you know, that kind of smooths out some of the day-to-day there, uh, you know, because we've all heard uh, uh, about the hustle culture that's become such a big thing now. And you don't want to necessarily just uh, rate yourself on your productivity because that's always going to come and go. There's different seasons in life. But if you feel, you know, you know your reason for doing things, you feel you're still moving in that direction, you're doing what you can right now uh, to continue to move in that direction, I think you can feel pretty good about what you're doing. So that's, I think, the barometer I use for myself. We'll see how that actually works in life. But that's, that's great. what I feel good about. And I think uh, that I found a lot of satisfaction in doing that. No, I love that. And it's it's a that's a wonderful answer and something I always try to teach. I think we only only look at success in our careers and don't look elsewhere. So I really, really appreciate that perspective. And as we wrap up here, just looking forward the next year, next six months with oversubscribe, like what are your goals and how can we support you? Sure. I mean our biggest goal as a business right now is to help as many creators as possible. So uh, really to help as many people to know about our platform as possible and the ways that fans can support their favorite creator in reaching their full potential through these financial investments. Again, just think about it like as a Patreon uh, and supporting your favorite creator, but Patreon plus uh, investment returns. If the creator succeeds, you can uh, share in that as well. So we want to help creators to know about what we're doing, but also help them to work with us and to succeed. Cleo, I think you and I talked about this earlier. We'd love to hear from folks uh, who hear this podcast and would love for them to reach out to us. So you can just go to our website, that's oversubscribe.co and just uh, there's a form there you can fill out. Just let us know that you're a creator who you know is already starting to make some money but is really looking to reach that next level and we'd love to have a conversation with you. Or you can uh, reach out to me personally even. Uh, you can always email me if you're a listener to this of this podcast at p at oversubscribe.co yeah it's uh we're we're still startups so we can grab 
have those cool email addresses. So just Love p it. at oversubscribe.co. That'll go to my personal email box. Uh, and we'll respond. And just mention, uh, you know, that you came from the Unstuck podcast that Khalil sent you over. Uh, and we do have a waiting list right now for folks we want or we're working with. But anyone who comes from listening to this, uh, we know they're doing it for the right reasons and they're looking to get help for the right reasons. So we'll move you up to the top of our wait list if you tell us you came from Unstuck. So just make sure to include that in your email. But yeah, like you're saying, Khalil, we want to help as many folks as possible as soon as possible. Uh, so that's really our goal for the time being. Amazing. I'll make sure all that's linked below on the show notes, Peter. This is a wonderful conversation. I think oversubscribe is well ahead of its time and it's going to have a huge impact. Thanks again for joining us today. This was fantastic, Cleo. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok 